Well, if you haven't realized what's going on yet, um, I do have someone very important next to me this morning. This, that's right, my wife. Some of you may not know that because she's always back in the children's church uh, serving back there and, and helping. But uh, hey, we're honored to have you up here this morning with us to share all the wisdom that's been lacking, you know, when I was... <laughs> yeah, right. Amen. Well, hey, you want to say anything to the mothers to begin? I mean, I love them. you guys. You are beautiful. I love if your uh, mother and kids are in your house, they're out of your house. As you know, motherhood is a job for life. Uh, I think I've used my mother way more now that I have kids of my own than, you know, it feels like when I, you're young, you're like, think you know everything. But the, every year, I'm so thankful for my mother. Uh, I'm blessed to have a great mother-in-law. I really think it is uh, a gift to be a mother. It is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us as women. And some some of you are very mothering and nurturing before kids. So uh, I appreciate you kind of women, too, because I was not real nurturing and mothering before kids. But isn't it a miracle, sign and wonder, what women can do with, mm. <laughs> with Jesus? <laughs> Having Amen. those babies. Amen. <laughs> God. Well, just so you guys know, um, every Mother's Day we can't take a special Sunday like we do today, and there's always different things that are going on, but we did feel like today that we wanted to dedicate the whole Sunday to Mother's Day, and we talked, of course, this week about just kind of what the Lord was putting on each of our hearts, and one of the things that um, we discussed was just talking about how important priorities are. And letting those priorities be what directs your life and directs your, your action, your choices, how you spend your time and all of that. Because I don't know if you've realized it or not, but we live in a world right now that has a lot of opinions. And not only do they have a lot of opinions, but they have a lot of avenues to express those opinions. And did, can we just say that not every opinion is created equal? Okay, some people like... They say that, like, well, that's your opinion, and then I have my opinion, as if all opinions are equal. So I got news for you. Not all opinions are equal. <laughs> there are some really bad opinions out there, and especially those opinions that contradict the Word of God. So, yeah, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of opinions about who you should be as a woman in general, who you should be as a mother and if you're not careful, who you are listening to will influence you and even pressure you to be a certain way. But it brings so much clarity to find out, okay, this is what the world thinks and uh, what they think I should be versus what does the Bible say? Yes. And what does the Bible expect of me? And what does God expect of me? What does Jesus expect of me? And that just brings so much clarity. Yes. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about that. How do you, you know, bring, get that clarity and kind of push out the noise and then get those priorities in your life so that that can kind of direct how you're living for the Lord? Yes, we're living, and I'm sure you've noticed, we're living in the age of woman. I mean, it is a good time to be a woman. They are celebrated on every arena, and with that that's happening, this change, this transition, I do feel like a lot of women feel the pressure the, to be something that maybe God's not asking of you as an individual. Uh, everybody doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. Everybody doesn't have to take the world and set it on fire. Uh, you don't have to, you're not going to be perfect. 
but there's a lot of pressure to be on all the time, 24-7. I have to have all the answers. I have to have all the solutions. Yeah. I got to be on. Well, I think that's so important what you said that, you know, <clears throat> you can communicate the value and the capability of someone, which is all true, but that doesn't automatically mean you should be doing all of those things. Right. I mean, there's a lot that we could be doing as pastors and as a church, but we're not involved in everything. Like, we have to go to the Lord and go, what specifically should we be involved in? And just because you are capable and can do a lot of things, well, yeah, but you, you could, if you're in charge of your own life, I understand that. But if the Lord is in charge of your life, then you have to go to Him and seek, you know, what should I be doing and what are my priorities? So I, I think the affirmation of, man, women are powerful and awesome and have all these abilities and things like that. And if that's what God's calling you to do, great. Right. I mean, you read the Proverbs 31 woman, she's doing all kinds of things. Um, so that, that those options are there, but still, we have to go to the Lord and seek, yeah, but what's your priority for my life? Yes. I can't let culture dictate what I'm supposed to be doing, because if I go down that path, uh, I'm, I'm going to be living to please someone else other than God. Yeah. So priorities are extremely important. And, uh, you know, they have that saying that uh, sometimes you feel like the tail is wagging the dog. You know, you ever felt like that? It's like instead of the dog wagging the tail, it's like the tail's wagging the dog. And that comes from, if, if you ever feel like that, okay, if you ever feel like you're just running around and you're doing so much and how did I even get tied up doing this? It's like I feel like I've got 25 commitments and I really only wanted to be committed to two of those things. Why do I have all these commitments and I'm... I've got anxiety, I've got stress, I'm on all kinds of medication, I can't sleep at night. And it's like, well, this all goes back to priorities. Yeah, yeah. It, it all goes back to, at some point, someone el- you let someone else start setting your priorities, and you started living according to those things. If you feel like that, it comes from not having really clear, clear priorities. And then, this is the big part, enforcing those priorities. Yes, yes. Enforcing those priorities, because... If I, if I asked any average person in here and I said, what are your top priorities in life? Like, especially if I asked them as their pastor. Yes, Jesus. I'm going to hear God, <laughs> number one. It's like the kids back in the kids' church. If you, uh, you know, you could ask any question, and if they don't know it, uh, Jesus? <laughs> Got to be the answer, right? You ask your kids on your way home from church, what did you learn today about God? You know, get a little more specific. Um, but if you ask anyone, what are your priorities, everyone in this room, because you're supposed to be a Christian, is going to say, okay, God, family. Like, they know not to put work, hobbies. They know not to put that at the top. It's going to be somewhere down the list. So we know mentally what our priorities are. But that doesn't mean that you're enforcing them. It doesn't mean that you are yes. fighting for them. Yes. And I know for both of us, I, I want to say this because I think this should be a priority in every Christian's life. For both of us, our prayer lives are a priority, Yes. number one priority. And as I've grown in the ministry, that's, you know, I have more time set aside, and I don't typically violate that time for anyone. No one. <laughs> and, no. you know, if there's all these demands and pressure and things, oh, can you come to this meeting, can you do this, can you respond to this, blah, blah, blah. There's a block of time that is for me and God, and no one violate. It's very, 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 very rare that I violate mm-hmm. that, that time. Why? Because it's the key to everything. And I know, I already anticipated what you might be thinking. Well, yeah, you're a pastor, you can do that. But here's the thing. I've been doing that since I was a teenager. I started doing that as a sophomore in high school, 
dedicating blocks of time for the Lord that, that were his time and no one else violated. That's what a priority looks like. It's, anytime you have a priority, there's going to be other priorities that are fighting for that space and fighting to, to get in that time because they want to be the priority. And it's never, it's never fun for someone else or something else in your life to find out I'm not a priority to you or else I'm very low down on that priority list. And that's where the frustration comes in. Well, I want to, you know, I want to be in that top spot. I want to be, yeah, but I have a very clear, defined time of uh, a list of my priorities, and I try to build my life around that. It's not perfect, right. but when you do that, you have that peace, you right. know, and there's and not that stress. The lie, uh, when I have more time, uh, you know, as a mother, especially when the kids are at home, you never will have more time. And I actually was listening to a podcast about uh, with a mother who her kids are transitioning out of the home. And she's like, one of the thieves that came was now I have so much time that she started feeling everything and her prayer life got put back a little bit. So, I mean, I live with the pastor and he's an amazing man, but uh, <laughs> hey, he's straight not, from the horse's mouth. <laughs> he's not my source. He's not my source uh, for love, affirmation, um, even just energy, strength. He is part of the gift. I'm blessed to have a husband. I know that some of you mothers are not. I'm blessed to have someone by my side that does care and does come to church, those things. But he's not my source. Mm. And I think with motherhood, you are on a constant, like if you... Uh, <laughs> If you have, just imagine like a pitcher, and if it's full of water, and it depends on the season, by the time, I, I've actually did this in my early years, I actually burnt eggs, boiling, you know, it's like that, the water just evaporates, and sometimes, some days you go in the negative, and you're like, Jesus, take the wheel, take the van, I'm staying, you know, drop me off somewhere, you know, unfortunately, Jesus does not take the wheel, <laughs> but that priority of your prayer life, I mean, I was, uh, fighting for my prayer life before I had kids in our marriage and with jobs. I mean, I know maybe you're like, my job, I, you know, be bold. Ask your employer, can I come in an hour late? Could I have worked through my lunch? Can, can you bring, get you a Laura bar, eat in your car, and pray? I've done that. In seasons, I've taken my car. You know wherever you work, I've parked my car in a place in the parking lot where everybody can't see me and I'm not being weird. Turn on my worship music and pray. Uh, make God a priority because that is your source. Uh, motherhood, yeah. and in this hour we're living in, I'm sure you've noticed uh, there's an attack on the family as a whole, but on women. Um, I've never seen so many women walking away from their families because they're tired and they're worn out. And I, I think a lot of it is demonic. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that it's just natural. So yeah, and you I, need and I think Jesus. that what you're saying is, you know, if a woman gets to that place, uh, I mean, a human being, it doesn't matter, woman, man, whatever. If a person gets to that place where they're feeling so overwhelmed that they are ready to walk away, there's one thing we know for sure: that's not from God. Right. You right. didn't. You didn't get to that place feeling like that by following God. Right. Because I mean, we have a scripture we were going to read later, but I'll just read it now. This is in Matthew 11:30. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. In other words, all of you have, who have gotten caught up in this world's system and world cycle of performance and do and add more to your plate. And you are, you know, this superhero that can do everything. He says, come to me, all you who are like that, who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, 
and he says, I will give you rest. Yes. This is the opposite of what most people think about God. It's yes. the opposite of what most people think that God wants from them. Mm -hmm. They think they're going to come to God and more is going to be required of you. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to really amp it up. Like you've been a loser and now you're going to have to be, this is what he said. He said, no, I'm watching you. And he said, you're running on the hamster wheel and you're wearing yourself out and you're really not doing anything well. You're, you're doing everything, but you're not doing any of it well. And it's burning you out and it's killing you. And he said, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Okay. This is a, a uh, agricultural term. It's about a yoke of oxen like the, that they put on their necks. So you see there still is a yoke from God. It's not like there's nothing for you to do. But he says the yoke that I have, he said it's gentle and lowly and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me tell you something. If the yoke that you're carrying is not easy and light, you're not carrying God's burden. You're carrying something else. You've started carrying something that God's not asked you to do. Now, that doesn't mean that what you're doing is not big or hard or difficult at all. It just means that when it's God's yoke, there's a grace that will empower you to do it. Yes. See, I can carry lots of things that are way beyond my ability, natural ability and strength. But when it's what God's asked me to carry, there's always a supernatural grace and empowerment to do it. And if it's killing me, I've got to find out one of two things. One, did God ask me to do this? Because if he didn't, he's not going to grace you for it. You can pray for grace till you're blue in the face. God, I need strength to do this. I never asked you to do that. <laughs> you could ask till you're blue in the face. If he didn't ask you, there's no grace for it. Okay, so you've got to find out, number one, did God ask me to do this? And number two, if he did ask me and is still killing me, then how come I'm not accessing that grace? Like, have I neglected my prayer time? Have I neglected worship? Have I not gone to him where I can get that strength for that grace? It's one of those, those two things. So, yeah, the, the, that issue that you're talking about of, you know, accessing the presence of God and putting that as a priority, it's, it's so important. If God blessed you to have children, that's the will of the Father. You don't have to ask him. Like, True. Good if point. you have uh, have children, and we have uh, several people that we know that have are in faith to have kids, it's a gift. I know they don't always feel like a gift. They they can feel very the opposite of a gift. They, you know. Anyway, so they're great most of the time, and you love them, and you go through some tough seasons. And I I think that God it has to be your source. I wouldn't want to do anything in life without God. So, uh, but especially right now, yeah. it's a tough season. And I think what you were saying earlier about I'm not your source, you know, I love that, that uh, statement. And we joke kind of in our family, uh, you know, you'll say this in front of the kids, and it could be offensive to some people, but, you know, we walk around and you'll look at me, and it's very loving and endearing, and you'll say, you are the second most important person in my life. <laughs> like, and I know what you mean when you say that, because even in our casual speech, we want to communicate God's first. Yeah. God's first. I, you don't ever tell me, you're the most important person in my life. I don't want to be the most important person in your life. Pressure. I want God to be the most important person mm -hmm. in your life. Even as a teenager, that was one of the things that attracted me to you was the way that you were going after the Lord, uh, you know, even before we, we came together. And I want to say this to you uh, that are married. The, the, the best gift, please, uh, please hear this. The, the best gift that you can ever give to your children or your spouse is your relationship with the Lord. Yes. 
I mean, what a joy it is to be married to someone that is not dysfunctionally depending on me constantly to be something that I can never be or to fill a hole in your heart or life that I can't fill. So when you, the best gift you can ever give to another human being is, is God being that source in your life. And then on your bad days, uh, you know, which I don't have many, but you know, on your bad days, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. On your bad days, my bad days, um, the, you can have that stability because, I mean, I love you and, and, I, and I love all that you are to me in the flesh. However, I'm getting that from God. I'm getting joy from God. I'm getting purpose from God. I'm getting, uh, his, you know, his presence. I'm being filled with his spirit. So if you're not, you know, exactly what I want you to be or need to be on this day, well, I'm getting all of that from God. And so when you are where you need to be with the Lord, you can give that to your spouse as a gift. And one of the most uh, difficult, frustrating things in the world is trying to constantly feed uh, the black hole in another person's life. Yes. In other words, no matter how much you do, how much you give, how much you serve, how much you compliment, it's never enough. Yeah. Because they have a black hole in their heart that the only thing that can fill it is God, and you could dump all that you have into it, and it would never be enough. You'd still be a disappointment. You'd never have washed the dishes enough. You'd have never smiled enough, never talked kindly enough, never on and on and on. But again, when you are getting that from God, when He is your priority, you can give that to your spouse as a gift. Yes. And you, you have to fight for it. Um, we're not, I'm not perfect. Actually, we have another joke where he uses uh, very carefully, uh, where he, he'll go, uh, you need to pray? I'm like, you need a slap? <laughs> you need a little slap? But it is kind of a joke where he's letting me know, ooh, uh, I think, maybe, you know. But it's true. I have to fight for it. <laughs> y'all, I know, y'all. He's just so great, isn't he? He is. He really is. Uh, I won't tell. I will reserve any hey, other you jokes. Can, you can no. throw me under the bus right now. It's fine. I don't care. Put it in reverse and go back. No, okay. Uh, but it has something that we fought for individually. And he would get, I mean, maybe if you're in this season, he would kind of get mad at me. He's like, I don't care if you go pray. I don't care if you take the car and go for a drive. And I wouldn't do it. I just felt like I have to stay here. The kids are not, I got to be on top of everything. I got to be, I'm their mom. Uh, even, I, you're pro, I don't know, there was a time where you're like, let me go on vacation one time. I remember like two days. I, I went early. It's a good husband. Oh, right yeah. There. I went yeah. early. <laughs> to the beach with my mom and sister and you're like you go ahead but you know what when I was there I could not relax they were with their dad and I could not relax so I think as women uh we've been I heard this phrase talking to my mom just sitting and being with Jesus or being alone is so hard sometimes it I, I don't know if men experience this as much as women but there is a super highway in here if you've ever been to Houston there's 20 I have more lanes than Houston going on in here and and it to quiet and be still as a, a woman especially in this hour that there's just so much pressure pressure to perform you know mm -hmm. it's not just with your kids and your husband it's your job and what if I let this person down my favorite books I have two, it's Dr. Henry Cloud and then Havila Cunnington, they wrote books, it's on boundaries. And it just is so great that um, just 
putting boundaries for yourself in your home. It's just especially don't try this with your toddler. Uh, this won't work. But uh, I've told my kids that once they got past 10, hey, mom's in, I'm in, dad's in there, mom's in the room, I'm praying. And uh, you want to see the wrath of God, turn that doorknob. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus loves you. Uh, so, but you have to fight for it. When they're five and under, it is a lot more difficult, I will say. But God season, is so, yeah, yeah it's seasonal. But mm-hmm. don't stay there. Don't camp there. Don't use it as an excuse. But um, Yeah. Well, kind God of tying all this together, I mean, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, this is a scripture we've read all throughout this whole year because during the fast at the beginning of the year, it's a scripture that the Lord gave to us. I preached on it a few times, um, but I'm still meditating on it, still thinking about it. Luke 10, 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and that's the issue. What does it mean to be distracted? It means you have a set of priorities, but instead of focusing on them, you're distracted on something else that doesn't matter. Maybe you're even focused on something that's good, but it's still not your purpose. Maybe you're focused on a priority that is a good priority, but it's not the top priority. You know, if, you're, if you are spending time giving to priority number three, but you're neglecting priority number one, then it's still out of order. So he said she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Everybody knows serving is a good thing. Serving is good. But she was distracted with doing something good when she should have been doing the main thing, the one thing that mattered. She was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And you see, this is what people who don't have priorities, and they're anxious because their life is out of order, their priorities are out of order. This is classic. They get mad at you. Yes. They, get, they get mad at you. They, they made the choice to, to be living in that situation, but they get aggravated at you because they want you to move you know, and, and they want you to take your life and up in your priorities to help them and fix them. It's, it's classic. It happens all the time. And this is one thing that we've experienced a lot as pastors is we get a lot of, and I'm going to put it in quotes, we get a lot of emergencies, right? It's, it's an emergency. It's urgent. You know, call me now. So we need this. We need that. This is happening. This is going on. But did you know, a lot of people don't like this, that most emergencies are self-inflicted. Most emergencies are self-inflicted. And what we want when we are in a self-inflicted emergency is we want our emergency to become someone else's emergency. Like it's urgent to me, it's an emergency, and don't, and just forget the fact, I created it, I did this through, you know, bad decisions. That's not every emergency, we understand that. They're legitimate emergencies, right? But a lot of them, if we acknowledge it's poor planning, poor choices, that have stacked up over time, that have created an emergency, and now I need you to up in your life to help me with my emergency. If you do that, you're going to lose, like if you do that for someone else, you're going to lose your peace. And a lot of people are running around scattered. Oh, well, this person called and I got to jump because they said jump and they need me. Well, their blood, their family. Well, if you let it happen, you're, then you're getting off of your priorities to go help someone that their priorities are all out of whack. Do you see how it could, it's like a snowball. It's a chain reaction. And here's what, what we've learned over time. Our marriage is a priority. Our children is a priority. Our relationship with God 
is a priority. And I'm never going to neglect those priorities and, and, and let that go to waste, uh, let that be neglected, um, let that fall apart while I'm busy out helping people and doing everything else that God's called me to do. That is a, you know, helping, helping people and pastoring the church, and all that, very, very high priority. But it's just that, it's a priority. Yes. And it has its place on the, on the list. And so this is what we're seeing here in this passage. You want to add something to that and we'll finish reading? Okay. Uh, so she gets mad at the Lord. She says, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Notice Mary actually had her priorities right. Jesus actually had his priorities right. It's Martha that has hers wrong, but she's mad at Jesus and she's mad at Martha. Uh, excuse me, Mary. Thank you. Man, see, if I didn't have you up here, that's why I need you on the front row. You could <laughs> wave your hand. No, yeah, right. But you she, she was mad at Mary, and she was mad at Jesus, who had their priorities right, even though she had hers wrong. And please see yourself in this scripture, like not your, your spouse or someone else. Please see yourself in the scripture, because we all have that tendency to get frustrated when a situation's been created to point the finger elsewhere when really it needs to be, you know, likely turned back on us. Can't, can I get an amen from my ladies? <laughs> Have you ever saw your husband lounging while you're in the kitchen and a kid's spitting up and you're like, are you going to come in here and help me? And he's like, yeah, I didn't know you needed help, you know. So I, I've totally um, blown it on him. And he's, you guys, the, the man that sits in this pulpit is the man you, I bring home. Um, he says, babe, I'm more than willing to help you, but, I, you know, I'm not getting caught up in all that. And, he, and I'm like, oh, but he's right. And he, obviously, there's different times and seasons where a husband has to be more involved. But I would get worked up, and, and our, I would, he would be like, you're out of your lane. Why are you worried about that? You know, you're getting all worked up, and you're getting me worked up. You're getting the kid. We're, st we're all totally stressed out, and you weren't even supposed to be doing this in the first place. And I think that that's what's hard. And then if, especially if you work a job that's constantly, I think a lot of jobs right now, especially when they're shorthanded and they're putting pressure on you, and you feel the pressure because you're, uh, what is the number one role that uh, God said for women? I'm going to make you a helper. So naturally, a majority of women, you're naturally helper. I want to help my job. I want to help my kids. I want to help my husband. I want to help. I want to help. And I'm telling you, the, besides the scripture, those boundary books will really help you learn to say, no, mm -hmm. I love you. Or mm -hmm. it can wait. That is why if you text Pastor I on the weekend, you might not hear from us till Monday. It, you might not hear. It's not because we don't love you. We don't care about your situation. It is that. I'm right now, I might be in my yard with my horses. You know, you, there's different things and moments, and I think as women, it's really hard sometimes. It's hard. I don't know about you. It is hard to turn my phone off because uh, I don't want to not be there if somebody needs me. Mm -hmm. And I've had to train myself. Uh, I'm turning it off. I'm putting it up. Well, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned on this is, you know, when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Yeah, that's good. You know, and if I say no to my phone, then I might be saying yes to time with my kids, you know. And on the flip, if I say yes, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So if I say yes to something that I'm not supposed to be doing, but I said yes because I'm a people pleaser and I, I want to keep everybody happy, well, I, so you said yes to that, but then you said no to something else. Yes. And so when you're 
marriage is out of order, your marriage is struggling, your kids, all these things that are priorities, they're struggling, it's because we're saying yes to a bunch of other stuff that probably needs to be said no to until we get this right. Yeah. You know, and that's the, those priorities. So the Lord answered her very patiently after he'd been accused by Martha. He said, oh, praise God. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Everybody say one thing. One thing. So he's talking about priorities. So he said, you are anxious and troubled. That's not God. Anxious and troubled, not God. Anytime you're anxious and troubled, that's not from God. God said, I'll give you peace. He said, I'll give you peace from the Father. He, he said it, that when you put him first and you seek first the kingdom of God, you don't have to be anxious about all these things. So anxiety is not from God. So many people live with anxiety on a daily basis that it's like a close friend and they're so used to having it. It's like that uh, little blanket that the Charlie Brown guy used to pull around all the time. It's like they, they, don't even, they wouldn't even know what to do if they didn't have anxiety in their life. Yeah. They would feel like I'm not doing something right if, I, if that anxiety weren't there because they're so used to having it. But this is what Jesus said. He said, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but there's one thing that is necessary. And I just want to say that to the mothers this morning. Uh, that, that, that is true for all of us, that there's probably many things that you're anxious and troubled about. But your question to the Lord should be, but what are you requiring of me? Yes. What are you asking of me? What do you want from me? He said, one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen that good portion which will not be taken away from her. In other words, I'm, she's not going to get off course because you're off course. She's not going to get off course because you're mad that she's on course. All right? She's going to stay on course, and she's going to keep doing exactly what she needs to do. And I think that Christian women really get hung up sometimes on... Uh, the will of God, the plan of God. What is the plan? What is the will? I have to help. I have to do. And uh, your first, if you decided to get married, guess what? That's the first plan of God, making that marriage healthy. Uh, hopefully, he will be there to the end. He'll, he's going to be there past your kids. Divorce is not God's perfect will. We're not going to get off on that, but I'm saying that the ideal is that you and your spouse would be strong even through the kid years, and then be strong after. And if you, he blessed you with kids, that's the second will of God. So everything is subservient to that. If my marriage is not healthy, what, what do I need to cut? What, and we've talked about this, uh, like tomorrow, if you said, well, okay, I, I need to stop working, that's one of the things. Well, okay, maybe you, you can't do that tomorrow. But you can figure out what are some of the things that are not healthy. How can we get them healthy? and start working toward that so that we can be healthy individuals, a healthy marriage, because you know this, this attack on the family, it's at home. It, it's not, it's in the secret place. It's when you're at home with your kids, they're watching you, they're deciding. Right now, I'm, I'm not gonna get off on it, but right now we are in such a pivotal time. Young people, 18 to 30, are leaving the church in droves right now. And they have to, they are watching us at home for 18, 20 years, and they are deciding that's the kind of man or woman I want to be or I don't want to be. And you cannot have religion without love. You can't have that. God, and that's why God, Jesus looks so lovingly at Martha and says, 
you, you need to relax, girlfriend. Come over here. It wasn't that Mary never did work. Mary obviously did work. He looked and said, you need to just relax a little bit. And, and you need to know that God is for you, that if he blessed you with children, you have everything you need in you to accomplish that task. It is your flesh, probably lack of prayer, <laughs> and the enemy that will whisper lies into your heart and mind and make you feel like, I can't do this. I can't finish this. I remember there's different seasons. Toddler years were really rough for me. My kids are 17 months apart. And I just felt like the walls were closing in. I was going to die. And so <laughs> it's no exaggeration. I mean, I really think probably looking back, never took medication. But maybe I needed some. I don't know. <laughs> I was, may have been depressed. But in that season, I got my mom involved. I got, some, I got my sister. And if you're not blessed to have your mom, get women involved. Women, if you're in a strong season, look around you and offer that strength to someone around you. You know, I love... Uh, we have one of our mom, I won't name, but she's got two babies, and she doesn't, she was working full time before she had her babies, and so it's a major transition for her to be home, I think, dec maybe a decade she was working, married, they were married, but she's now home with two kids, and she's like, I'm going stir crazy, so guess what, I'm going to have play dates, and I'm going to invite people over, be a solution, you know, that's what I know it's so popular right now, but just be part of the solution and find, you don't always have to be strong 24-7. When Jesus went to the garden, right, he's about to go to the cross. He is sweating drops of blood. He is under pressure. And what does he say to God? He says, God, if there's another way. I mean, I think as a woman, I have desperately, I can relate with Jesus. God... <laughs> Is there another way right now? I don't, want to, I don't want to have to go in this season of toughness with my kid. I don't want to have to draw these hard boundaries. I don't want to have to discipline daily for days on days and maybe months. I want this to be easier. And what does God say? He says, you can handle this. That's my version. You can handle this. And Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And I do think that motherhood, we're talking about mothers, it's a, we're parenting is an ongoing commitment where you go to Jesus and he says, you got this. He says, you are my daughter. I mean, he looks at you and he says, you're my daughter. You, are, you have this in you. You have everything you need. And when you don't, we're in the day of podcast, audio books, women around you. Don't be so prideful. That was one of the things that was kind of humbling for me was how much I started needing people. <laughs> I don't like to need people. Uh, and I, in that season, it became very evident. I need other women who have done this well. I need their help. I need their wisdom. Uh, my kid for six years hasn't listened, you know, so I need help. And it was in those moments when I would go get wisdom. I would get strength, and maybe it would take you for another week or another couple months, you know. But God is so gracious, and he just looks at you. He never looks at you and says, you're a sorry mom. No matter what your stage your kids are in, what they're going through, he looks at you and says, I love you. I've called you. I've graced you. I mean, he says that to his women in general. I, you are his daughter first before you are a wife or a mother. Amen. Amen. Are <laughs> you going to stop now? That was, yeah, I'll stop. That was good. Were <laughs> <laughs> you like, like you going to stop now? or? No, that's okay. not what I was thinking at all. I was thinking that was good. 
Um, wow. Now we should go home now. Man, man, that was good. Um, one of the things I was thinking about the priorities and, and what you were saying is as pastors, we get to be with people in every part of the process. So we get to see people that have their priorities wrong, their life is out of order, they come to one life, uh, they start making little adjustments, adjustments in their job, marriage, kids, prayer life, and the effect that that has. Yes. And then we get to see people that unfortunately don't make the adjustments. And uh, as pastors, we get to walk through that with people that, yes. you know, they just year year after year goes by without the adjustments and then it's like it all comes crashing home at one one moment but this is what I have uh, predictably seen with people and I'm telling you this because I, I think it's important for us to know that this is the course that a lot of people are headed towards without change people end up you people usually end up getting their priorities right one way or another and that, that's what is so important to understand, is that one way or another, people usually end up getting their priorities right. And it's, to, it's, om, it's almost predictable that once a person goes through a devastation, their marriage falls apart, their kids fall apart, everything's falling apart in their life, then they get, start getting their priorities right. It's like they knew what to do all along. Um, and so as the moment everything's falling apart, they go, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in shape. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start praying. And they, they start doing everything. It's like, well, if you had done it before, though, it's better to do it before. Right. You don't want to do it after. Because sometimes those things that you lost, you can't get back. Right. I mean, praise God, we always have a fresh start with God. But that doesn't mean every single thing in your life is automatically and magically restored when we repent. We get forgiveness with God. But sometimes the consequences of our choices, they remain with us for, for a lifetime. So we don't want to wait until everything comes crashing down to get our priorities right. Let's have the foresight to look where this path is taking us and go, man, if I don't make some changes now, I know where this is headed. Let me make it now so that I can actually preserve some of the things that God's given me. I can preserve my marriage. Because you're, you're going to end up in one of two places, looking back and giving praise in God and thanks for what's happened in your life, or you're going to be looking back full of regret. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe you hear sermons like this, and the Word of God helps us so that we make adjustments now, and we don't lose, we don't have to go through all the pain in order to make adjustments. Yes, because God loves you so much as a family. He loves you... Uh, and I just think, like, the song they were singing, it, that's, I know it's based on scripture, but it, you're, you do have an enemy who hates you. He doesn't have a will. God has a will and a plan written before the foundations of the earth, but the enemy has an agenda to derail you, and I do think that that's why you get tired. I think that there, you feel like, I can't go on. I don't have the energy. I don't have the want to. I, I don't want to fight for this anymore, mm -hmm. and God, God's like, if you'll just turn to me, and sometimes you do have to, you have to be honest with your spouse. You have to be honest with, I would find a Christian godly woman if you're in a rough spot and find someone that you can be honest with and say, I'm not doing well and I need help so that you don't look back and go, that was a mark, that was a change that I could have made. And, and you don't, because you don't have to feel like you have to be perfect. And the Christian world, we as pastors when you come in, when you talk to us and your sisters in this church are not going to judge you. Be careful. Don't blab your business to everybody. Someone trusted. 
But you don't have to be on all the time. And I think Christians really fall under this pressure that I can't go be honest about what I'm going through because someone's going to judge me. And I'll just tell you, girlfriend, um, I've probably been where you are or I've read some, I can help you, someone, we can get you, people who can help you. I think if you're in a season, maybe you need, hey, having kids, I'll tell you what, what if there's a saying I'm not, I'm going to mess it up, I'm going to try, but there's something about motherhood's one of the roughest hoods. I don't remember, but it was a cute <laughs> saying. It was a cute saying. But it bring, having kids is God's way of refining some things. I thought I had handled some things until I'm looking at my three-year-old and going, Oh, no, things are bubbling up, feelings, emotions, words, uh, things I've never thought I'd think again. Uh, they have a way of working something, bringing up something, and God, goes, and God would gently go, you see that, Jen? I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want you to be that angry right now. I want to work that out in you. I don't want you to, for me, it was anger, and God would say, I don't want that anymore. I want to work that out. So maybe whatever it is, he, they'll bring it up, and you, they can be an opportunity. So I started going, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I'm going to have to leave the opportunity with you for a while, but no, <laughs> this is an opportunity. And your goal, obviously, is uh, minor uh, McKinley, our son, is four years from 18. The goal is not to get him to 18 and done. As you know, uh, grandma's in the house. You're, they're never, they're never gone. <laughs> they're always there. Um, so, you're, 18's not the goal. Getting them to Jesus is the goal. Mm -hmm. And whenever I look at them and I want to like pinch their little heads off, I go, Jesus is the goal. I'm going to mother well right now, not because I even like you in this moment, but because Jesus is the goal. And what would Jesus do? He would look at you and he would say, I got to take a break. I'll be back. You know, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus flipped over some tables. I mean, Jesus had some passion. He wasn't just a little lamb. I and mean, he says he's a lion and the lamb. So I try to sometimes say, <laughs> Jesus is up in heaven like, no, I'm not. I would not do that. But I'm like, I think that Jesus, if he'd had kids, he'd be like, I got to take a second. I'll be back. I'm going to cross this lake. I'll be, I'm going to walk on it, but I'll cross. Well, I mean, discipline was his idea. Oh, don't talk I mean, about it. I'm, I'm just saying you're saying he's a lion in the lamb, and the Bible says that he disciplines those whom he loves. So that discipline yes. was his idea. Uh, last thing we'll probably cover this morning is, you know, talking about what is it that is driving your priorities. Like, for example, this morning you're here. And you're hearing the Word of God, you're reading the Word of God, and that is driving you to make certain choices. And then, tomorrow and all week, you're going to turn on your TV, you're going to get on social media, you're going to have all these other things coming into your, into your mind and into your ears, and guess what? They're going to be trying to drive you as well into a different direction. And that ends up setting your priorities. I mean, have you ever not realized that you wanted something until you saw someone else had it? You know, you, you know you're, you're driving around, you're perfectly happy with your vehicle, and then you see somebody in your family gets a new car, you're like, I need a new car. I mean, I, I make just as much money as they do. I mean, why do they have a nicer car than me? I, you know, or somebody gets a new house, or, you know, somebody gets an outfit or whatever. And it just, those things drive you, and the question is, why? Why, why is that driving us? And is that a good uh, fuel to be driving us 
and where does it lead if we follow it? First John 2.15, John spoke real strong to this. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, of course we know we're called to love the people of the world. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the spirit of this world. So when he says, do not love the world or the things of this world, he's talking about the, the spirit of this world. If anyone loves the world or the spirit of this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you know that we should care about different things than what the world cares about? Things should matter to you differently than they matter to the world. We should not. There's like things I'll hear about. I'll talk to. Oh, did you see this on TV? Oh, man, did you hear about this? I'm like, no, I don't care about that. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. It's not important to me. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? Because if the love of the Father is in you, then you'll love what he loves and you'll care about what he cares about. And that is what will be driving you. And these other things you'll recognize. And you'll go, that's, that's just the spirit of the world. And he, and he actually explains it a little more. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires to be well-known, the, de the desire to be famous, the, de the desire to be something special, okay, the desire to impress others, all of that, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. So we are supposed to look different, act different, think different, talk different than the world. But so many times, we're so caught up with the spirit of this world through, because of what we see on TV, what we hear, what we watch, what we see, we get, it lulls us and it pulls us in, and then it begins to affect our priorities. Now I'm going after something that I should have never been going after in the first place, because it's really just part of the spirit of this world. And don't think for one second that just because you're a Christian, that you can't be lulled into this. I mean, just because you're a Christian, there, there's, that does not mean that you are exempt from the spirit of this world having an effect on you and the way that you think and the way that you act and the way that you talk. Look at verse 17, and then he gives you the reason why. He says, because the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, if you have an eternal perspective, it, the more you understand about eternity and how short this life really is, the more that will align your priorities. Because when you realize, man, I'm fighting for this, but you know what? That's going to burn up and turn to dust. However, if I win souls and I go after God and I give my life, to, that's going to remain for eternity. So one of the things that will align your priorities quicker than anything else is figuring out, are they temporal or are they eternal? And how I'm spending my time, will it just have a temporary earthly impact or will it have an eternal impact? Because I can tell you, and, and the Bible tells us this, there's going to be a lot of people that on that day they stand up and just about everything they spent their life doing is burnt up. And it, it doesn't have any eternal impact. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you're a mom, Okay, and you, you feel like sometimes, man, I'm going this way and the rest of the world is going this way and I don't understand. I'm trying to live for God, and, but I feel like almost out of step with everybody else. You're probably on the right track, okay? Because if you're just going with the world, you can pretty much assume you're on the wrong track. But if you are feeling that, just realize that you are trying to align yourself with what God is doing in your life. And in the long run, you will be healthier, your marriage will be healthier, your kids will be healthier, and you will have made a difference in eternity, not just temporal here on the earth. Amen.
And I think that what's happening now, uh, sadly, we're praying uh, every day that our country would turn back to Jesus, that our country would experience revival. But right now, uh, if you are paying attention, Christianity is not the most popular thing right now. So if you are a mother who's working out and you're working in the world and you have people around you, you're going to feel this more. You're, I'm, you're seeing it. You probably experienced it in school if you grew up Christian. You were, tried to be Christian. I, weirdly, I'm seeing that more and more in the world where there's just this intolerance and, and you're, you stand out more than you'd like to, which can kind of make you be quiet. But um, don't. Be bold. Um, we don't, as Christians, we're not purposely trying to be abrasive and, and cause division, but, and they don't ask your opinion a lot because they, they probably know you're Christian, but when it comes up, you be bold. You be the woman that God has designed you to be, and you stand for righteousness. Um, it was so hard. I remember when I was growing up, and I gave my mom headache over these things sometimes. She would draw boundaries for my health, uh, I would love to listen to music, heavy metal music. That's a weird season. Uh, but it, And I would listen to heavy metal music before bed and couldn't sleep. And she's like, you can't, first off, I, we're not even getting into arguments about that. But she's like, don't, you can't listen to it. At the time, it was the radio. She took my radio. She drew, and then she told some other people came up, and they're like, why would you do that? You can't control her when she grew up. You think the way you're parenting, if it's godly, the world's not going to agree with it. The world's going to think you're so stupid. And they have so many wise things they're saying in their eyes. And then five years from now, they'll be saying total opposite. But what is consistent is the Word of God, is Jesus. He is our firm foundation. And no matter what the world does, he's, the river goes here. The river, if Jesus is popular if he's not. He's a rock that we stand on, and he will strengthen you. And I know it's hard in the world right now to stand strong and be confident that, hey, I can discipline the way I need to. I can, I can love the way I need to. Only I, me and my spouse know what's best for our kids. And, and this culture is so anti-God, I would be cautioning you to listen to them right now. But God loves you and cares for you and has anointed you to do this, no matter how old they are. And you're going to finish well, mamas. 